Good evening, everyone. Everyone should be well. Uh, Tonight's lecture is about Yom Kippur. One lecture was on Slichot. I'm sorry, one was on the month of Elul, one was on Slichot, one was on Rosh Hashanah, tonight's on Yom Kippur. Every holiday in the Jewish calendar has a certain mitzvah connected to it. The Pesach, we know, Chomitz Matzah. The Seder, Seder Sipur Yitzias Mitzrayim, Shvuas is the remembrance of Torah, the Aseret Adibrot. The study of Torah is the mitzvah that's associated with it. We have a custom to stay up all night to learn, some of us. Sukkot is replete with mitzvot. The four species, the Sukkah, Simchat Torah, Rosh Hashanah, we have the Shofar. Uh, But Yom Kippur is pretty unique because there really is, what's the mitzvah that's associated with Yom Kippur? One second. So, the... uh, obvious answer is tshuva so the question is that you're really begging the question because what does tshuva entail I mean to have a little of an asterisk it's there study is there matzah is there shofar is there what's Tshuva is uh, a spiritual, ephemeral matter. So the great uh, men of Israel, the great scholars of Israel, attempted to define tshuva. Because every mitzvah has to have a definition. So the Rambam is the one that uh, in his uh, great uh, work on Hilchas Tshuva uh, based on the Gemara in Yoma uh, defines the three aspects of Tshuva. Charata al-Avar regretting what happened in the past. The person is sorry that the sin was committed. And then there's Kabbalah al-Hahaba, an acceptance that in the future the person will not sin. 
I will not repeat this sin. And then there is something that the Rambam adds. He calls it vidui bape. To admit it with your mouth, to say it. I did X, Y, and Z. I'm sorry I did it, and I won't do it again. And the Rambam posits that without that vidui bape, without that statement from the person's own mouth, then the mere fact that the person regrets it or the fact that the person commits not to do it again, that's not the mitzvah of tshuva. So here, uh, to have a deeper understanding of this, uh, the Meshachachma, it's a, a book, a commentary to the Chumash by Rameir Simcha Cohen, who was the rabbi in Dvinsk in Latvia, Denenberg, who was one of the great seminal thinkers of the early 20th century in Jewish life, Gon Olam. So he's very famous in the yeshiva world because of his commentary to the Rambam called Or Sameach. There's a yeshiva named after him because he did not have children who survived him. So in the Meshech Chochma, in his commentary to Chumash, Meshech is his, the abbreviation, the acrostic of his name, Meir Simcha Cohen, Mem Shin Chof. He uh, says as follows. It says in the Torah, V'shaftar Hashem Elokecha, you will return, we had it in the Parsha on Shabbos, you'll return unto God and so to speak the Rabboni will accept your tshuva and that uh, the Lord will proceed to uh, have mercy upon you and uh, we're talking both nationally and individually so he posits a very good question he said, what does tshuva help? What happens here? For instance, the Torah says, don't steal, okay? Don't take something that's not yours. A person, God forbid, did it. Whether with an item or with money or whatever it is. person stole He regrets that he stole. And he accepts upon himself that he's not going to steal again. So how does that fit in with tshuva? 
the prohibition to steal was there before and it's there now. Even after a person does tshuva, there still is a prohibition in the Torah, don't steal. So what changed? Why should we think that he's entitled to a uh, special consideration? He stole, he regretted, he said he's not going to do it again, he's about Shuvah. What are you you talking about? The prohibition is still there. The prohibition is upon people who never stole and upon people who did steal. So he says, so that's the point the Rambam added here. Because obviously the first two are not sufficient. Now the first two are necessary. If a person ever regrets stealing, so, uh, you know, the looters, the rioters, they don't feel bad about it. And there's no acceptance on their part that they're not going to do it again. In fact, you can be certain that they will do it again. So there certainly has to be uh, those steps. But that's not the mitzvah of tshuva. Those are conditions preceding to becoming or to achieving tshuva. In order to achieve tshuva then one has to regret what was done and one has to commit not to do it again but that's not tshuva yet and that's what the Rambam adds here that tshuva is the expression of the regret and the commitment verbally by the person himself So let's examine that. What does that mean? So that really is the secret of Yom HaKippurim. Yom HaKippurim is uh, the deflation of ego. Takes away what infects us all year long so uh, no one no one eats better no one drinks better no one dresses better there's a prohibition even uh, uh, for wearing uh, excessive uh, or expensive clothing or uh, jewelry or decorations Yom Kippur is the most humbling of all days. And the greatest humility is to be able to say, I was wrong to say it. Now it's one thing to feel it. We uh, we all experience in our lives uh, regret about things that we said, that we did. We change our mind about things. But to say I was wrong, 
that's very hard. And you see that, for instance, in the in the general world, in the political world, the uh, person who is accused of doing something wrong usually denies it. And the problem arises, as is often said, not so much with the crime as with the cover-up. It's not what the person did, it's how he covers it up. To say it never happened. In Yiddish there was a phrase that telling the truth is the best lie in the world. Because that's all you have to do. You just say say the truth. If you tell a lie, you got to tell another lie to justify the first lie, etc., etc., etc. We're witness to that over and over again. Nixon uh, resigned not because uh, of the uh, break-in at the Watergate, but because of the cover-up. We see hundreds of examples. Because that's where our ego leads us. Our ego leads us that we cannot get up and say we were wrong. Cannot say, I'm sorry. We know that uh, many times in family life, that becomes a problem. We know in business, we know in education. So, uh, you know, uh, there are people who come up with theories, usually uh, professors, uh, wise people, and the theory is uh, really cockeyed. Makes no sense. But the guy will go to every end possible to defend the theory just because he said it. Even though he realizes that it doesn't work. And that's very hard for people to do. It's very difficult for people to so to speak, deflate their ego to such an extent that they have to admit that they were wrong. So we can rationalize it as we do. You know, I didn't mean it, I didn't intend to, I was forced into it, it was the society, it's not me. There are a hundred good reasons. But the mitzvah of Yom Kippur is to say, I was wrong. So the rabbis made it easy for us. They gave us a list of 44 sins that pretty much covered a waterfront. And if we say it on Yom Kippur as we do, and we say it nine times, Al Chet Shechotonu Lefonecha, 
This sin we committed. We committed by speech, we committed it by actions, we committed it by thought, we committed by negligence, whatever. But we have to say it. So then the question arises because saying it is the mitzvah of Yom Kippur. The mitzvah of tshuva is admitting, being able to express it. In Latin they call that mea culpa, right? I'm guilty. I did it. You have that in the legal system, the secular court's legal system. And the person that pleads guilty expects to get a much lesser sentence than the one that pleads not guilty and then is found to be guilty. Because the court system takes into account the fact that the person admitted his guilt, admitted that he was wrong. So this becomes the idea of Yom Kippur. Not only admitting it and saying it, but the results of that is this deflation of ego, of exposing ourselves, so to speak, and being able to say it. And uh, we have ritualized it, as I mentioned, right? So we have uh, 44 alchets. And we say, Oshamnu, Bogadnu, Gazalnu. We have a whole litany of verbs as to our guilt. So now the question arises, discussed in Halacha, Uh, Is it enough to say it, or do you have to mean it? It's a good question. See, there are extreme positions on Yom Kippur. There's an opinion in the Talmud, Rabbi Meir, that said that uh, Yom Kippur has no mitzvahs at all. The day of Yom Kippur alone is a kapora. The day of Yom Kippur frees us, forgives us. So you can come to shul in the morning and take a nap and get up for Neila or for the chauffeur. And great, you know, you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. You didn't eat, you didn't drink, you know, you're fine, okay. And Yitzumo Shalyom Mechaper, the day itself, brings a kapora, brings forgiveness. Uh, the rabbis disagreed with Rabbi Meir. They said, no, that's not sufficient. Yom Kippur needs tshuva. It has a mitzvah that's associated with it. And without tshuva, Yom Kippur is, uh, you know, this is Monday, Tuesday, that's all it is. It won't help. 
So then, okay, tshuva. So what's the definition? So we went through the definition. It's charoto on the past, it's kabola on the future, and it's vidui, and it's the statement that the person makes. Okay. Does the person mean it? Does he have to mean it? Is it enough just... So you can say, everything in my mind is... 800 miles away. I'm wondering what the market does today. Whatever. Because human beings are human beings. It's very hard to concentrate. It's very hard to concentrate on what you're reading or saying. Most of the time we get into trouble because we said things when we weren't concentrating. used to have uh, a sign in the uh, law office that I once worked at that said uh, do not engage mouth unless brain is in gear that's a good thing I remember it because we just say things you know people just say things So if he just says, he said it. <coughs> so there's a general proposition in the Talmud, a general discussion whether mitzvah srich is kavona or mitzvah ain't srich is kavona. Does there have to be intent when a person is doing a mitzvah? So if I'm walking by and there's an esrog and a lulav and Arovas and Adasim, and I picked them up. Am I out say the mitzvah already, even though I have no intent yet? And there's a preponderance of opinion that mitzvah say non is kavona. You don't need any special kavona. You don't need any special intentions. Do it. The famous uh, example of the Varditshava Rebbe, that uh, he was walking with a man, and they saw a third man, a Jew, who was wearing film that was greasing the wheels of his wagon while he was wearing film. So the man said to the Varditshava, he said, you see that sinner? He's greasing the wheels of his wagon while he's wearing film. And the Bardichever said, What a wonderful Jew. Even when he is greasing the wheels of his wagon, he's wearing film. There's two different attitudes, two different viewpoints. Now, obviously, you're not supposed to grease the wheels of your wagon when you're wearing film. But nevertheless, if you're wearing film, so that's the mitzvah. You did it. So if that's the case, if mitzvah seinon tzichus kavona, if you don't need intent... So if I say, 
and my mind is 300 miles away and I don't even think about the words that I'm saying but I'm saying it is that good enough? does that fulfill the Rambam's requirement of vidui bepeh? I admitted it I said I admitted it you know we are witness sometimes that people plead guilty to a crime that they never committed in the famous case that's going on in the United States now uh, the General Flynn case where he pled guilty but obviously he was entrapped he never did anything wrong they knew he never did anything wrong but they wanted to get him and they put such pressure on him and his family and they threatened to, to do things with his children etc so he pled guilty get it over with I knew people in the United States that were accused by the federal government of crimes that they did not commit. I knew people who fought the federal government and won. But when you fight the federal government and win, you have lost, believe me. hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal bills the aggravation and the time, the years so I've known people that when the government went after them they said okay I'm guilty let's uh, you know let's compromise what's the fine, what's this and goodbye and let's uh, you know let's, uh, and that's the reason why in halacha no guilty plea is accepted. Ain't Odom, no human being, his admission is unacceptable in law, in Jewish law. Ain't Odom Macy Matsmo Russia. We don't allow a person to say he's guilty. Because there are hundreds of, uh, of extraneous reasons that could force a person to say he's guilty when he knows he's not guilty but he doesn't want to go through with it so I knew people that uh, they didn't want to go through the whole thing and they knew if they they pled guilty they would go to a minimum security uh, facility so it was like going on a vacation for a year or two years not quite still no fun no one should want it but they figured it's worth it right so he said I'm guilty he's not guilty never did it so in Jewish halacha you cannot admit to something two witnesses have to testify against you and prove it and if they cannot prove it then nothing happens So what about Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur, we all say the idea of vidui peh is that we are saying that we are guilty. So if I go to a Jewish court in Aloha, I go to a Beddin, I go to the Sanhedrin, 
and I say, I sinned, they say, you're not allowed to say that. We refuse to hear it. You hear a Yom Kippur, I go before the heavenly court, and I say, oh, you know, here's a list of 44 sins. Here's Oshamnu, Bogadnu, Gozalnu, Debarnu, Dovhi, Avinu, Ishanu, Zadnu, Chamat. How does that work? Why is that the mitzvah of the day? So again, the rabbis emphasized here the psychology of humility. We don't necessarily believe that you're guilty. I mean, if you look at the 44 uh, uh, sins, uh, you'd have to be uh, pretty busy in your lifetime to commit all 44. Most people are not guilty of all 44. Maybe one, two, three, but all, all. And yet we say to all of them, we admit to things that we didn't do. So on that, there are two trends of thought. One trend is that we're capable of all 44. There is no one that uh, is above it. Chazal say, There are certain sins that no one uh, should feel guaranteed that they can withstand them. The person says, oh, it's not my problem. I'll give a uh, vivid example that uh, a man takes his son and dresses him and perfumes him and ties a bag of money around his throat and leads him to the steps of a house of ill repute. And the Gemara says, Mayase ben Shaloyechta. Is it possible that he won't sin? Certainly it's impossible. Certainly he's going to sin. And a lot of times parents are guilty of that without realizing it. Not exact that exact example, but it's the way it is. Especially in our time, in my generation long ago, uh, going to university was not considered a danger. Today it's a mortal danger. Because of what happened in the society. So the potential is there. You name it, every, every sin there, a person admits that potentially he or she could commit that sin. Doesn't mean that I did it, but I certainly could have done it. And that induces within me the feeling of humility. Look, I'm not such a tzaddik. 
I'm not such a holy person. I'm not so special. Look what I could have done. It's within me to destroy other people with my speech, with my behavior. It's within me to do terrible damage in the world. And I admit that I am capable of it. And once I admit that, then I am more humble. Because then I'm not the great, great holy person that that I think I am when I walk in. So when we have the whole list of sins, people say it's not relevant to me. It is relevant to you because that could be you. And the other stream is that the admittance of those sins on Yom Kippur are always in plural. Hashem knew we have done it. Alchet shechotonu, and the sin that we have committed. So we're talking about being part of the mob, so to speak. The mob has done all forty-four sins, and we're part of it. Willy-nilly, whether we want to be or not. And therefore, it also has relevance to us. It's also part of our makeup. And because of that, therefore, it induces within us this spirit of humility that I'm not so special. The moment I say I'm not so special, that's tshuva already. Now, on one hand, the Gemara discusses, on one hand we have to have self-confidence, we have to have self-awareness, we have to have pride, because otherwise, you know, nothing. So how do we balance that? So the rabbi said, for instance, that uh, a truly holy scholar is allowed to have one sixty-fourth portion of pride. I don't know how that's measured, but it means that sixty-three sixty-fourths is not pride. The Rambam says that we should always go in the middle. Take the golden mean. But he says the exception to that is humility. You are allowed to be very, very, very humble. Extremely. Ma'od, ma'od, heveshfal ruach. Emphasized that there to be extreme is not only allowed, it's preferable. It's something that we aim to be. So Yom Kippur is that day for us. Now there's such a thing as false humility. We all know that too. I uh, I remember that uh, we were building our shul in Miami Beach. And the architect asked me... uh, well, how many rows of benches do you want to put in? 
And I said, we only need two rows, the front and the back. Those are the only two rows you need. And they're both, to a great extent, uh, the denial of humility, depending. In Europe, there was a custom, still exists in the rabbinic world, that when a rabbi wrote, for instance, a halachic answer, or he wrote a letter, so he would sign it, Mimeni Hakoton, from me, who is a very small person. So the story is told that once uh, a rabbi that was not a great scholar uh, wrote a letter to uh, one of the great rabbis in Europe and he signed the letter Mimeni Hakotan for me, the small person. So the rabbi said, look who thinks he's a cotton. Because the cotton is just the opposite. You write a cotton because you're a Balgaiva, because you don't think you're a cotton. So it's a, it's a quicksand. It's, a, it's not given the easy definitions here. And therefore, uh, Yom Kippur, which removes us, so to speak, from the world and puts us in a different physical situation, allows us to achieve, therefore, this different spiritual and psychological situation as well. This situation of humility which is engendered by the entire concept of tshuva, of repentance, of regret and commitment. Chazal always saw that the development of the emotional and spiritual side of the person was the main test of life. Some people are more successful, some people are less successful, some people are born with more talent, some are born with less talent. How does a person adjust to life? That's the test. That's the test for uh, for Bill Gates, and it's the test for the uh, the poorest person on the street. How do we adjust to life? And what life uh, throws at us And Yom Kippur gives us the uh, ability to look at that. To look at that emotional and spiritual adjustment. The Torah says that I give you life and I give you death. Choose life. Why would the Torah have to say choose life? All of us, uh, it's a human instinct. The answer is, choose life is an emotional challenge, a spiritual challenge, a psychological challenge. You see, many times we can witness people whose behavior they know is destructive. 
and still they continue with it because they can't rise to the challenge and the challenges are always all around us the society the culture what other people think of us how to rise above that so the Torah gave us Yom Echod Bashana. One day of the year. One day of the year I give you a chance to fly high. To escape from all of that. And that's the day of Yom Kippur. And if on that day you can honestly look at yourself and you can honestly look at how one succeeded or tried to succeed or barely succeeded in meeting the challenges so then we can hope that the Lord will certainly forgive our trespasses and that the day is the day of Slicha, Mechila and Kapora but without that inner view of ourselves without that understanding of what we're supposed to do so then as I mentioned to you it's like coming early in the morning and going to sleep the whole day and waking up at the end you went through Yom Kippur but Yom Kippur didn't go through you and that definitely is one of the most important lessons that I feel that this holy of holies the holiest day of the year imposes upon us I want to wish you all a ktiva v'chatima tova a good and healthy and prosperous year a year of accomplishment and of good health and God should help that this scourge should depart from us and we'll be able always to meet each other at good occasions. Thank you for coming. Cold too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Do it again next year. be well. Best to everybody.